recording. Okay, okay, okay. So tell me about your waves. Do you think they make me look like a young Michelle Pfeiffer? No. No. Okay. <laughs> like Michelle's, Michelle's blonde. So. Okay, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess. Yeah. yeah. They are really luxurious. Thank you. It gives you like a natural vibe, which the other one is is severe, Very more severe. severe. Yeah. Which I do like when you're. Maybe when you're working. When I'm working, I like people to be afraid of me. So, hi, I'm JB. I'm Alan. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. <laughs> Welcome to our podcast. This is our very first one. Our very first podcast. And this podcast, shockingly, is going to be about jewelry. Somehow. So, yes, all the Somehow. jewelry. All the jewelry we love, all the jewelry we hate mm -hmm. for the jewelers. Things we love that the jewelers are doing. It's the can I say it's the official yeah. New York City Jewelry Week podcast. Yes, we should we should probably have started. We should have with prefaced that. with that because that's sort of pertinent here, this, and I imagine that's why people would want to listen to begin with. Yeah, this this is a great start to yeah, our NYC Jewelry Week podcast. I think so too. With the, Hosted, we haven't named yet. No, which we haven't named. Yeah. So we're just saying welcome to our podcast for now. For now, but it's going to have a really good name. Maybe. Which we'll probably have by the time you're actually listening to this. It's probably going to end up being called the NYC Jewelry Week podcast, which is <laughs> just so creative, <laughs> right? Right. I anticipate but, that. But we also, speaking of New York City, it's not just about New York City, right? No. It's going to be about all the jewelry things, uh, all, all the jewelry, jewelry everywhere, everything everywhere. happening everywhere. So we talked about just, this a little bit. I think that from what. We had discussed in the past. We wanted this to be a really well-rounded conversation that JB and I have. We'll have mm -hmm. guests on occasionally. Uh, some will be jewelers, designers. You know, we'll get mm -hmm. famous yeah. movers and shakers in the industry to come join us as well on occasion. Hugely famous jewelers. Hugely famous, very important. Mm -hmm. and, exactly. Uh, we'll be doing that. Yes. And we'll be discussing a. Uh, Pop culture things on occasion too. Mm. We thought but, about that. Yeah, probably some art, some art. Design, design in general. Yeah. But basically, we're going to talk about whatever we want because it's our podcast. And, and not yours. And not yours. Yeah. And we did steal that tagline. We know that. We know that. If we're not stupid. If you don't know the reference, get with it. Stop listening. Stop it. Just kidding. Stay listening. Please we need listen. listeners. Okay. So let's start this very first podcast off with the most interesting thing in this room, in the mm -hmm. studio room, us, right? Correct. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so, Alan, let's talk about you. What do you do? Why do you deserve to be hosting this podcast? Okay. I'm a photographer of jewelry and fashion. We've got a studio here in Manhattan. We're you know, fancy. You're fancy. fancy. We do fancy things. Yes, but you have an interesting mm. background, which I think our audience needs to hear about okay. your previous photo work oh, okay. before the fashion and all the jewelry. Sure. I uh, graduated from Indiana University with a degree in journalism, and I was a freelance photojournalist for several years before I got into uh, commercial photography and the chief missive it was the sort of my chief motive to for making the switch was that photojournalism doesn't really make you money hmm. i've learned that the hard way and i learned that 
I should have gotten a hint about that because everyone around me was a trust fund baby. So I thought, huh, I wonder why there's so many rich kids who go to J school. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder why that is the case. Oh, it's because it's a profession that doesn't make you any money. So uh, generally speaking, it's why, you know, Anderson Cooper is a Vanderbilt. (laughs) So he's not doing one. He didn't get Mm -hmm. into it because... He was trying to get rich off of it, although yeah. now obviously he is. But it worked. It worked. Yeah. But uh, yes, yeah, so that was kind of uh, the the pivot that I had made fairly early on in my career um, after working for photographers like Steve McCurry, and I learned a lot about commercial photography uh, via that experience. I learned a lot about many things via that experience that mm-hmm. sort of, uh, frankly, disenchanted me from the photojournalism world a little bit not that i think there's anything wrong with the profession it's just you know it wasn't what i had hoped it was going to be Mm -hmm. so i pivoted and here i am yeah what but why jewelry i mean you're a great photographer i would imagine most people who when they think about going into it are like i want to be a fashion photographer yeah uh, mainly jewelry because it's something i learned to do early on and i figured out that there was a real sort of drought of people who did it well. Mm. And I thought everybody who comes to New York City wants to be a fashion photographer. And it's such a cluttered, you know, field. And you're competing with a million other people. And what I do now is so much more uh, technical. Mm. And it's just a skill set that not a lot of people have. So I thought, well, that's a real competitive advantage. And I can turn this into a real proper lucrative business that I can scale. And so I was just thinking Mm. about it from a business perspective. It was never going to be um, some sort of like creative vanity project or anything like that. And now Mm -hmm. it's turned into something much bigger than I had ever thought it would. And I get to do all sorts of stuff that I didn't think I would eventually get to do. So that's exciting. That is exciting. Including our very cool shoots that we've done for NYC Jewelry Week, which I'm very, very proud of. Me too. They're mm-hmm. stunning. And just the start, we just started working together. Yeah, we did. Like a year ago. I think so. And now we have a podcast. We have a podcast. You know what? You didn't say where you're from because you oh, sound yeah, because, beautiful. Because people think get confused. Yeah. yeah. I'm from... Why is that pertinent? I'm because from, they're okay, hearing fine. you. That's I'm all. From... <laughs> and you have this accent that makes me sound like I'm from... Kansas, where I'm from, where I'm actually from. (laughs) Yes, I'm from Bosnia originally, and I uh, grown up in Germany for a better part of my life. Mm -hmm. Here you are. I mean, and sounding fabulous in New York on this podcast. For listeners, we're guessing if you're hearing this first podcast, you already know who we are. Uh, But if you don't, go hit us up at NYC Jewelry Week on the Instagram app. Um, you can find Alon there, or you can find him at his own Instagram at Alon, A-L-A-I-N, Simic, S-I-M-I-C. Yes. Great. I'm sure we can put this stuff in some you sort of description. write this somewhere. Somewhere. Right. We need to learn what we're doing. So here's the thing. Uh, this is literally our very first time sitting inside a proper professional studio, mm-hmm. and we have no idea what we're doing. We already kind of fumbled our way through the first 10 minutes of this. Someone was late. JB was late. But barely, I was not but late. look, look I was this. on time. Okay, wait, me. I guess I should talk about you me before we yourself. before we move on. Okay, yeah. so I'm JB Jones. <clears throat> nice to meet everyone here. Mm. I'm the co-founder of NYC Jewelry Week. 
which yes. is a platform dedicated to jewelry. As JB's saying all this, she's looking at me with like a question mark in her <laughs> eyes. Like, <laughs> like, is this correct? Stop yes. describing the things I'm doing here. Okay, sorry. <laughs> okay, I'm not going to look at Alon while I finish this. Uh, co-founder of NYC Jewelry Week, I, I started that in 2018 with my partner Bella Naiman, who is an amazing jewelry curator, academic writer, all Everything. of all of the things, yes. right? Mm-hmm. And we started this to support jewelry, um, specifically contemporary jewelry. We got excited about all the other types of jewelry, decided to have Jewelry Week represent New York, and that's how it was born. New York is certainly a melting pot of many things, and jewelry is one of them. Mm-hmm. So you can check us out. We do events all year, and we... Um, we do things like this, this podcast, we do panel discussions, Mm -hmm. we do shopping events, we do exhibitions, Mm -hmm. and we do a whole week of that in November each year. So, Which were amazing. This year's events were tremendous, can I say, because I thought after last year, everything being sort of digital, Mm -hmm. getting into the events this year, I was afraid that there wouldn't be much of a turnout and the events were packed. Yeah. And there were yeah. so many events too. So many. Actually less than we've ever done. But there actually. were still so but many. Still so many. Uh-huh. If you love jewelry, come come out for New York City Jewelry Week each it's November. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. It's for everyone. And we have all types of jewelry. Yeah. yeah. All types of jewelry. All different price points. It's really about, yeah, accessibility to jewelry. So uh, we have so much going on. So of course we thought Let's do a podcast. And this podcast, like we said, is going to be about jewelry. In each episode, we're going to have a, a specific topic that we talk about. The main re- – there's a couple reasons we we started this podcast. We're going to talk about the top two right now. Mm-hmm. The first reason we decided to start this is because jewelry is ridiculous. Like not – Is that the title of this Yeah, show? that's the – yeah. I hope not. Okay. So – We'll discuss an, that later. Okay. D- d- okay. Whoever's editing what? this, please leave this in. <laughs> okay. So the jewelry is not ridiculous. We love jewelry. Sure. But much like all the other artistically driven industries, I'm guessing, yes. it's just uh, ridiculous. And we have so, what we're calling I some gripes. I have to gripes. say this business. Yes. In particular. Really? Is... A little bit more ridiculous than than most I've encountered in mm. my time. Yeah. In sort of the creative sphere. And ridiculous can be fun, but it can also be obnoxious. torturous. Yeah, yes. obnoxious. Yes. That's a great description. Yes. Right. So we have um we have some gripes. We've, that we're we've just, got gripes. We're gonna start with that. And we need America to know what they are. Yeah, we do. <laughs> this is why you're tuning in for this really hard hitting podcast. This is long form investigative journalism we're doing. (laughs) So, okay, let's jump to this because, you know, I I think this is what people love to hear from us Uh is when we complain, which we're going to try not to do. We're not, no, because there are great things too that we're going to talk about. There are. That's part two. 
Okay. That'll be part two. <laughs> but um, next episode. Just like to note that Alan did read the script, mm-hmm. and now that the fact that he has a problem with the name <laughs> is interesting. <laughs> but let's move on to gripe number one. I read it last night, and I think <laughs> I said to JB, this is fantastic. I think, I think you, you made did. such a great outline. And then I come into the studio, and I'm like, what is this mess? <laughs> He's looking at me while I'm talking like, just no. <laughs> just no. Just no. Okay. You knew this podcast was going to be a read. A, jo- a joy ride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a total read, full on. Yes. But anyway, okay. carry on. Well, we have a script, so we're going with it. Number one gripe <laughs> is it's insu- insular. Insular. I can't even say this word. It's Wait. insular. Okay. Did you hear how he said that? Jewelry. It's, it's like the jewelry industry lives in a jewelry bubble, a self-created jewelry bubble. Within the it's, world, it's very incestuous in that way too, isn't mm-hmm. it? Uh, mm-hmm. Just because it's uh, it's a thing of my gosh, I don't even know how to get into this because this is a whole Pandora's box we're opening up. But it is insular; mm-hmm. it 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 exists in in a space all of its own that doesn't seem to like interact with the rest of the world, which mm-hmm. is very strange because ultimately the industry mm-hmm. that we're really in is fashion, mm-hmm. right? right? And that's something that I always harp on about with uh, sort of our clients who are relatively new to the business who just like made their first collections Mm -hmm. and they don't really know what they're doing. They're trying to sort all of that stuff out, Mm -hmm. but they don't seem to understand that this is really the fashion business Mm -hmm. and that you have to be aware of what's going on kind of in all facets of the design world in general, Mm -hmm. not just fashion even. Right. And a lot of people in this business don't. They very much exist you know, on 47th and 48th Street. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. And that's sort of their reference point for everything. And that's why we, mm-hmm. I think, get so many collections and so many new designers that are completely indistinguishable from one another. Mm. And that's a huge problem for the industry as a whole. There mm-hmm. aren't very many people who are doing interesting, profound, amazing things in design, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of people who get into this business and they look at a company like Majori and they say to themselves, that's I want to be that mm-hmm. without the understanding that, you know, that takes an extraordinary amount of capital, that mm-hmm. you're competing in an already crowded field if you're trying to become a company like Mishori or something like that. Yeah. And that, you know, dominating that marketplace yeah. uh, takes an extra- extraordinary amount of money to become a household name like that. Yeah. So people go into it and they start their first collections and it's like, yeah. You know, like we've said so many times, 14 karat gold stacking rings. Or like the same yeah. tennis bracelet you've seen a million times. Right. That you yeah. can get literally anywhere. And they think they're doing something, like amazing. I know. You know? And it's been done. Well, Majori, I laugh. <clears throat> I, I I was trying to not laugh when you brought up Majori, just because that's our go-to reference. For always. everything. And I yeah. walked by it in Soho. Last- Great shop. Yeah. A line outside. A line. But you know what? They, they're really great at what they do. Yeah, they're, no, they and, they, and they, they make a great product for their target demographic. Like right. it's an incredibly smart business model that they have, but it's not one that you can go out and replicate. No, they, it's already been done, guys. Stop doing Stop it. Stop doing that. Yeah. I say this also, and I bring them up a lot because that is such a typical reference for us when mm-hmm. somebody comes to the studio to have a campaign shot. They'll say like, oh, you know, we want it to be like Majore. And we're like, 
Okay, you and like the ten people before you have literally said the and same the, thing to and me. And the people in line. And the people in line yeah. behind you are going to say the same thing. Well, like, what yeah. is the point of that? No, I, yeah, I mean, it's been done, and I, I think that's what's cool about jewelry is there is this potential to have such a unique voice. There is. Uh, because there are so many people who have been doing the same thing and, and keep coming and joining the industry and doing the same thing over and over again. I, I think what's interesting, too, just when you were talking about how jewelry is in the fashion industry, mm-hmm. is that and, and thinking about it existing in this bubble is when you think about fashion, I mean, I'm probably going to age myself when I say this, but when I think about like famous campaigns through history mm. of like advertising fashion Donna Karen comes to mind when sure. she when she was shooting fashion on the streets of New York right mm-hmm. that was such a great moment and really captured the essence of what her brand was mm-hmm. you very know? unique for her time though very too. unique for her time to do that now everybody and, does it but at the time it was yes. like a really cool newfangled thing right everyone does it in fashion no one's doing this okay there are probably a few people who are doing this. There are a couple. There, are a couple. yeah, mm-hmm. and Alan will probably tell us who that is. Yeah, but I love seeing it out in the wild, right? I'm tired of seeing the same to the point of like the same photo shoot. I'm tired of seeing the jewelry on a white background or in a box or on a table or a crumpled piece of paper, right? <laughs> I want to see the jewelry. Are you coming for my business? No, no. (laughs) Okay, well, I'm just giving them advice. Yeah. Right. Uh, I want to see it out in the world, right? Uh I want to see it on the subway. I understand the challenges of doing that with jewelry because Mm -hmm. there are real technical uh, challenges to shooting uh, jewelry out in the wild. That's a real problem. So there are real, like, technical issues behind doing that. But I understand what you're saying about trying to change things up. Like, you know, if you're a company like Foundry, who Mm -hmm. is my, probably my personal favorite kind of independent jewelry designer, I love their Mm -hmm. stuff. Uh, They had, you know, very famous fashion photographer Casper shoot a campaign for them not too long ago out in the streets Mm -hmm. of New York. And it looked Amazing. But most jewelers are afraid to do stuff like that because they're afraid. You know, people have like, um, mm-hmm. I shouldn't say this probably. Uh, if, it, if it sounds too bad, we can cut this out. But uh, <laughs> there's a lot of like product dysmorphia. People think this stuff looks like something that mm-hmm. it really doesn't. You know, oh, right. and yeah. and so they think that the most important thing when they're doing uh, a campaign or anything like that is like you know close up shots of mm-hmm. actual jewelry, and then you start to wonder, well, why on earth is there even a model here? Why on earth is a, there a set? Mm-hmm. Like, why are we doing all that? You're right. Because brand building should be about going beyond the product. Mm-hmm. That is what brand building is. It's not just about the product. That's mm-hmm. why you have other categories of, you know, photography for your business. But, um, yeah, that's kind of a very common uh, trope that we always deal with. And we're always encouraging people to think think like a fashion campaign, sort Mm -hmm. of go a little bit bigger than that, because that's how you can build um, mood, vibe, branding that people then eventually want to relate to and buy from and Mm -hmm. that sort of thing. Like, in part, a company like Foundry and... Majority's uh, success is uh, the the overall branding and the aesthetics that they've built around the product. Mm-hmm. As much as it is, especially for a company like Foundry, it is really about design as well. 
but it has to be about all of it. it mm-hmm. Design alone won't get you there. Yeah. And visuals alone won't get you there if there isn't much to the design, right? right? So it has to be a full package situation. Yeah, and, and, and you're, we're trying to t- tell these, like, unique stories, right, with our jewelry mm-hmm. that we that we make or we're trying to sell. But without those sort of lifestyle images or that lifestyle story behind it, it can just become about the product, right? And we really – I love to see a, a jewelry brand – with an individual voice. And a vision, you know? like yeah. a real vision for what the brand actually is, who mm-hmm. it is that it, the brand is trying to speak to yeah. as well. So I think that that is, given the nature of my work, that's one of my biggest gripes with the business as a whole is just that we end up working with people who aren't very savvy when it comes to mm-hmm. any of this branding marketing kind of stuff unless they have the capital to hire experts to help them in that department. And we do have Mm -hmm. large corporate clients, and that's a whole different story. But whenever we're working with smaller uh, companies and designers just starting out, Mm -hmm. I'm having the same conversation every single time of just trying to get people to break out of that mold and to get them to understand as well that ultimately it's really uh, for the average consumer, especially if you're talking about the e-commerce game, all Mm -hmm. that stuff, they care about the brand that they're buying into, oftentimes much more so than the actual product. Yeah. And that's just the reality of how people shop. And you have to kind mm-hmm. of, you have to be savvy enough to understand that. Yeah. No, that's so true. And we kind of covered, I think, all of our gripes in that one oh, tiny did? segment. No, because they all kind of tie together, which I think okay. is what's interesting is that we live in this bubble, mm-hmm. right? Which th- the second thing we wanted to talk about was how the jewelry world doesn't, you know, push forward trends, right? We're always following the trends of everything else. And you said you know? like five years behind. I think well, that's like, very accurate. I think five years is accurate. I think that's yeah. very accurate. wasn't exaggerating no, when I said that. you're exactly right about that because mm-hmm. people are now doing things they've seen in like a Lambin campaign from five years ago or something like that. Yeah. It's very strange. It's very strange. Why aren't these people picking up a fashion magazine? That's what I, I always I wonder. Don't know. I sometimes want to talk to my clients and say, mm-hmm. when's the last time you picked up a magazine? Mm-hmm. Or yeah. like looked at what's actually going on in the world around you. Surely right. you shop. Surely you pick Surely. up, you yeah. know, some sort of publication. Right. So, Well, also, let's give this piece of advice. If you're a jeweler, stop following only jewelry brands on oh your Instagram. You That's a problem. I think you just nailed it in that that is probably the biggest culprit in all of this. They yeah, only so. look at other yeah. jewelers yeah. and they just keep copying one another without understanding <laughs> yeah. that like the people they're copying don't know what they're doing with to begin with right. you know, they like you're copying you're following it's the blind leading the blind kind of situation yeah go beyond that look at design in in all of its forms exactly. go into other industries and like take an interest in all of that stuff mm-hmm. too even beyond fashion just yeah. because there's so much that you can learn mm-hmm. it can inspire you also, as far as your designs are concerned themselves. Totally, so it's not yeah. really just about, you know, um, trying to come up with creative way, ways to market yourself or to mm-hmm. brand yourself. But it's also about being inspired by design from elsewhere. Mm-hmm. You know what one sort of funny thing? This isn't a personal gripe of mine because this isn't really any – this part isn't any of my business uh-huh. as far as uh, my work is concerned and my clientele. But so many times – I um, end up speaking with people who will 
then, you know, sort of in private, they'll prattle off a list of designers they think are copying them. And then, you know, once I've seen their designs in person, I'm like, I could give you a whole list of 20 more people that you just copied, too. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. So And it's hard when your only, you know, point of reference is other jewelry. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think there is, you know, certainly people who follow or reinterpret historical jewelry. You know, that's always, I think, really interesting. There are great companies who are very good at Mm -hmm. sort of taking uh, traditional designs from a particular era and reinventing them for a contemporary consumer. Yeah. And they do that in really great ways that are interesting. Right. But what's more interesting, I think, is when you hear a jeweler say, oh, you know, I was at the Met and I saw Mondrian and now I have this whole new jewelry collection that's inspired by maybe not a literal interpretation, but like perhaps the color stories or the color use or the spacing of the colors or Mm -hmm. or whatever it may be. Like those sorts of inspirations, I think, always yield products that are interesting and forward thinking and and very unique and exciting. Uh, Of course. Yeah. Yeah. That's how it should be. That's what you should be doing. That's, by the way, what, like, designers in other industries actually do. You know, creative directors and their design teams, they're not just looking at what other fashion companies are doing. Of course they are Mm -hmm. because they have to because Mm -hmm. that's where the market that they're, you know, competing within. But they're looking at inspiration from all over the world. All sorts of, you know, one thing that I I teach a, um, a, a set of courses that we did during the pandemic over Zoom photography courses, that sort of thing. And one, um, uh, the students who join us on there have, on multiple occasions, always asked me, like, what inspires my work? And Mm -hmm. I've always said to them, it's never other photographers. It's usually something like cinema. Or I've been to a place and I loved the way that the light looked there. And then I tried to replicate that in my studio to come up with something that, yeah. you know, I haven't seen somebody else do before. Even if it's something as nuanced as lighting, which isn't going to be always apparent to people, that it's, yeah. you know, something slightly newfangled. But I see it. Right. You get you get very excited about lighting. I do. Light, I mean, lighting <laughs> is everything in photography, right? So I, I do. I get really uh, – it could be like the simplest, you know, looking photograph at first glance. But mm-hmm. I can carry on and on about it because something really dynamic and interesting is actually happening with the lighting in that frame. And yeah. I, it's, I think, important for jewelers, especially nowadays, to get the same kind of – uh, education in photography and to kind of learn the vernacular and to learn how to speak that visual language yeah. the way that, you know, designers in other industries do because they have to. Yeah. Because they're sort of like they're competing on a global level. They're competing with the best of the best and the best marketing teams and the best photographers in the world. So they have to get really savvy about that stuff. They have to understand those nuances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jewelers would behoove themselves to try to learn those things too. Yeah, and you, and you can and you from your can. classes. Well, I'm not trying to. <laughs> I'm not trying to pitch my courses here. Is this where we take our first ad break? <laughs> Is this an ad break? Yeah. Can we? Uh, who? Natasha. She's probably. She's my assistant. She's probably going to edit this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Natasha, probably. put in a little jingle, and then we're going to do an ad break. Mm-hmm. I'm just joking. Something we're not cute. Do that. Yeah. Moving on to gripe number three, which I think we've said this already, and it's hard not to say this when. You're talking about the jewelry industry. Repetitive rings. 
just rings. There are so many of the same uh, many. things, and it to me it it always ends up being rings. Um, I love a good ring, but uh, there's so many rings that look like other rings, and that's all yes. I want to say about that. Yeah, I think that's a good salient <laughs> point. <laughs> <laughs> I just needed to get that off my chest. I'm glad you did. You look lighter for it. I yeah. I think I wrote this line all in caps when I was writing it because I, I don't understand why there are so many of the same rings. I mean, granted, I'm wearing a simple gold ring band, and I, I know there's a million, and you you are too. I no, yeah. I wear a ton. Yeah, yeah, no, I wear a a lot, and I like I like you know, yeah the feel of gold on a finger, you know. And I guess this goes back to what we were saying about telling a unique story because that defines where we're going to buy this gold ring, right? This gold yes. ring that everyone makes. That's the Where thing. are we going to buy it? That's what I always say. I mean, how many, I don't know, why would you buy one particular blouse if it's very similar if to so many other If it's not YSL. Well, that's for me. <laughs> right? I'll only buy it from YSL, okay. but uh, I just sort of generally speaking, I mean, to that point, why buy it from YSL as opposed to be as opposed to anywhere else? If it's, mm -hmm. for instance, what I'm wearing, I'm wearing a silk black polka dot something. Uh, I could have probably gotten something very similar from a million other sources, but why did I choose to get it at YSL? Right? Mm -hmm. It's sort of marketing and branding from that particular company that speaks to my sensibilities. Right. Well, and you look like you could be a YSL model, so yes. That that's part of it. It's the hair. It's the Michelle Pfeiffer curls. See, yeah, waves. we did a really great podcast thing. We started out with a little bit Don't in the beginning. Tell the secret. No, I know we're giving away the formula, and now we've brought it back. We did. Look at that. We're really we've good come at this. Full circle. No, we're, we're really, not. Yeah, I know. Are we, we're, not. Uh, uh, we're probably not. Right in. <laughs> Don't look at the producer because he's probably shaking his head. Uh, yeah, write no. in. Uh, write in if you think we're really great at this. Yeah, right. I don't us. know how they're going to write. Uh, write us a letter, please. Write us letters. Yeah, on about paper. your thoughts about this first show. You know, we're talking about this in jewelry. We're saying, do what you want. Tell your own story. That's what we're going to do with this podcast. I think so. Right? Exactly. We're telling a story. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think. Okay. We're trying. We're trying. We're trying. Okay. So I the last gripe we have, and I kind of feel bad saying this one because I love jewelry and I love jewelers, but there's so many of them. There are a lot of them. There's a lot of Listen, people. Listen, I love that part because if I'm a total cynic, right, and if you're in my business, mm -hmm. you can say to yourself, well, whether or not a client of mine is successful really doesn't matter because there's always going to be, you know, a ton more. more. Right. I am much more interested in making sure that my clients are successful because a long-term relationship like that is obviously better. much better for business for everyone involved. Mm -hmm. But it, there is, you know, an extraordinary amount of people who come into this industry every single day. And a lot of them lot. know seem to know less than mm -hmm. the batch before them. Right. Well, and I think, too, if you're a jeweler and you're listening to this, you're probably thinking the same thing. Yeah. That your own friends, once you started a jewelry line, yes. also decided they wanted to start a jewelry line. And... I think there's a ton of great jewelry out there. I'd love to see new jewelers coming into this industry. It's good for the industry. But I think the key thing, <clears throat> and you kind of touched on this earlier, 
is that we all need to be honest with each other. Yes. And when your friends ask you, yes. like, Emma, do you like my jewelry? And you, if you don't like it, you need to tell you need them. to tell them because they're about to invest a lot of money a and lot time of money. into a thing that mm-hmm. isn't very good. Right. And yeah. nobody will tell them that. But let me. Right. This but they kind should. Of, yeah, no, they should, absolutely should. should. Yeah. Yeah. But here's the other part of it. How many gripes have you got on that list? I. I don't know. I lost count. Okay. Too many. Do, too we, have, many. do we have time for one more? Of course. Always. Okay. okay. So m- one of my biggest gripes with uh, the jewelry industry as it is today is uh, access and privilege and the relationship between the two. It's not a surprise to anybody, I don't think, in this business that it is there's a very high barrier to entry to get into jewelry design, right? You have to have the funds to be able to not just flesh out a collection, but to be able to do things like sit on inventory, have pieces on consignment in stores, potentially for some people across the country. And you have to have uh, multiple collections coming out on a regular basis to keep people's interest. And on top of that, you've got marketing costs. You have to produce exciting and brilliant visuals. So you have to hire talented people, which is not inexpensive. Uh, so there are so many parts and components to what it takes to become a successful jewelry designers and so much that you have to do to flesh out a brand that the barrier to entry is so high that ultimately what happens is that the market is really dominated by people who come from a position of privilege. Mm. And whether that means your privilege comes from having have had a career uh, prior to jewelry that sort of afforded you to make that change and to be able to invest in a collection or a wealthy spouse or a trust fund, because we know a lot of people who are in that kind of position. This is New York City after all. Mm -hmm. So that's going to be a common theme in most industries, but it's sort of particularly visible in our business precisely because of how expensive it is to get into our business. Ultimately, I mean, if you're sort of sitting back, you might say to yourself, well, is that really the worst thing in the world, right? And potentially people could make an argument that it isn't. But my gripe with it is that it, uh, it ends up, those people end up taking up space in the market. And some of them could very well be very talented and produce innovative design, but most of them don't. And they take up real space in the marketplace and push out people who are very, very talented, who just don't have the kind of funds to compete with individuals for whom maybe this is a hobby, a very, very expensive hobby. I think the one of the points you're trying to make is you can't buy good style or talent. You can't buy talent. You can't buy taste. And you can't really kind of buy your way into innovation. Mm-hmm. It, that comes from years of practice, from years of study, from experience, and from having a very well-rounded point of view as a designer – yeah. That's sort of what's bothersome about what a lot of people do because then we see so much young talent that is really dedicated to the artistry and the craft of jewelry and who really strive to produce innovative product, right? That is both um, – it's innovative, it's uh, sort of interesting on an artistic level but also interesting to a commercial – you know, to mm-hmm. a potential consumer in, in a commercial context as right. well. So it's it's – sad to me that those voices have a tendency to get drowned out by people who just happen to have money. And there's, you know, I don't disparage anybody for having that kind of wealth and access, but 
I do disparage people for not having the self-awareness that this is probably not something that they should be doing with their time, right? Right. And it's hard to get that perspective. But I think what's so exciting now about the world we live in, Mm -hmm. on one hand, exciting. On the other hand, maybe quite a burden for young jewelers without access or funds um, is Instagram, right? Social media that Mm -hmm. you can actually create your own market now. But it's a lot of work, right? It's a lot of work. It takes an incredible amount of time. And even that potentially can cost you quite a bit of money to try to do it that Mm -hmm. way, right? Not everybody can grow a following organically, right? The wonderful thing about organizations like New York City Jewelry Week, plug, 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 plug. I was getting there. (laughs) That we we tend to pluck, find and pluck that talent out of obscurity and give them a platform. And I'm so proud to be part of the organization precisely because we have the ability to do that. Because we have sort of boots on the ground. We see what's happening firsthand in a way that maybe our larger competitors don't. And Mm -hmm. they don't have the ability to pay attention the way that, that we do. And they don't have relationships with those people that we the way that right. we do. And we can kind of pluck them out of uh, obscurity and give them a platform, which is all they want, ultimately. I mean, that's right. what anybody would want in this business who is creating something legitimately interesting but doesn't have the kind of wealth to make a big marketing push. It's just look at my stuff. That's mm-hmm. all I want. Just have a look at it because I think it's worth having a look at. Yeah. And I think it's wonderful that we have the ability to do that. I think what's so exciting is you know, we're a grassroots organization, essentially. Yes. You know, Bella and I started this company from nothing, and we've done it our way all along. And I think that's what's so refreshing about it, is that we have the ability to say whatever we want and find this talent and mm-hmm. share it, um, I think which that's... a lot of people can't do because they have the access and privilege, which, which can create so many boundaries for Absolutely. you. Absolutely. I think that's where you and I have a kinship. And why uh, we're sort of doing this together. Um, I think part we can of, say whatever we want. It, well, that. But I think I think <laughs> we care about the same things. Like yeah. we we care about work being genuinely good. And I think we also have uh, the relationship that we have because both of us, in different ways, in our kind of respective lanes, um, have had to figure things out on our own and have just found mm-hmm. success by doing them our way and not right. necessarily in any kind of circumscribed. Way. Just hustle. Just hustle. Just pure yeah. hustle and working really hard to produce really great work and punching above our weight limit. You know, I feel like we both yeah. do that. And I think we, if I may say so, I think we both do that really well. I mean, we produce shoots at my studio on a shoestring budget that look like Boucheron campaigns. So beautiful. And I'm very proud of that. And you guys with NYC Jewelry Week accomplish extraordinary things. Mm-hmm. And it's you and Bella doing the hustle. And, you know, I remember this last year. It was a smaller jewelry week, but you had, like, what, 80 events throughout the city? Something like that, something insane. And then on top of that, you had all those digital events. Like, it's extraordinary what you're um, able to accomplish. And I look forward to many more years of that. And we're going to keep kicking ass together. We are. Yes, absolutely. We're surrounded by such an extraordinary group of people. At any given point in time. People that we get to call friends who are really extraordinary individuals, beyond the work even. Just wonderful, kind, generous. I feel Mm. very lucky. And that there is creativity. There is so much creativity. Which is exciting. So I had a little holiday party. I had what, according to Elliot Carlyle, was the party of the year. 
Okay, in my mm-hmm. very posh, fabulous Madison Avenue apartment. Yes, it was a good party. And Elliot Carlisle is our director of diversity and inclusion at yes. New York City Jewelry Week. And we had... Uh, he knows his parties. Oh, the the man parties. The man parties. He goes to parties. He, yeah, he dresses for... The, he I dresses mean, he, for the party. That was a cool thing about that party uh-huh. was... How well, how well dressed everyone was. It was a well dressed party. It everyone was. had a lot of fun. Everyone had a lot to drink. Right. I wore the ball gown again that I wore I to that party. You look amazing. You Thank look ravishing. You. Thank you. Uh, so that was a really fun party, but it was like uh, great in part because we had such a fun crowd of designers and other kinds of individuals in the industry who really do come from, you know, and incredibly diverse array of backgrounds and and that yeah, sort of and, thing and yeah and vantage points and vantage points yeah yeah and all of them incredibly talented creatives who all produce really unique stuff yeah. and they were all in a room really together cool stuff. i think i had what maybe 20 people there it wasn't a big it was a well curated group it was people. a well curated but it was so much talent in <laughs> my living room that i mm-hmm. was just at several points looking around the room and thinking to myself, these people are extraordinary. And I'm so lucky to know them and to get to work with them because a lot of them were also my clients, some of my favorite people that I've worked with since I started my business. And most of them I never really talked about very much. Mm-hmm. And true. that's a terrible shame because, honestly, that room of people had more talent mm-hmm. than a majority of mm-hmm. designers in the city. Yeah. In jewelry. I yeah. have to say that. And I it think that's really true. It was really good. Yeah. It yeah. was a really good group. You're right. If I had a piece of jewelry from everyone in that room. Oh, honey, you would be decked I would be, out. I mean, why would I need anything You else? would never need anything else. No. Lots and of gold. And you're wearing one. I'm wearing one from gorgeous. Linda Gug, who is an incredibly talented jeweler. She made I mean, this beautiful 22-carat gold dagger, which is giant. It's beautiful. And I am wearing it today, and it's extraordinary. And everyone yeah. should check her out. We should put her info in the description. She's amazing. She's incredible. Yeah. So that... I I don't know where I was going with this, other than to brag about yeah, I the mean, things I was I've, given. You were like, let's gripe. And then you transitioned into how Let me tell you about my stuff. <laughs> Let me tell you about the things that I own. Uh, no, it, I was going somewhere with that. And I think I was going to say that uh, the to kind of give people the flip side of our gripes uh, and kind of why we love being in this industry. Mm-hmm. I After that night, I remember thinking to myself, I'm so lucky to get to mm-hmm. do this. One, to have a business that actually makes money, which is like not an easy thing to accomplish. But then to also be surrounded mm-hmm. with such extraordinary people and I get to call them in earnestness my friends. Right. It's just like I get to call you my friend and I feel lucky oh. for that as well. So And with that we end this podcast. No, wait, just kidding. I'm it? just kidding. No, I'm just <laughs> Can kidding. Can I go? I was like, that was great. Can I go and reset my hair now because of these <laughs> bloody headphones no but you're so right i think what's really exciting about what we do and what we do together as well Mm. is we get to make this mark on history by producing images right and in in this field which is so exciting but also we get to work with these jewelers who are definitely making marks on history and in people's lives in such you know an Mm. important way jewelry these pieces will last forever Mm-hmm. You know, and it's so exciting. 
It's exciting think that, like, because they're extraordinarily talented. And you know that 100 years from now, somebody's going right. to pick up like a Lorraine West earring mm-hmm. and put it on because their grand wore it mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. I mean, that's amazing, right? Exactly. And hopefully a book. Hopefully a book. I mean, hopefully there's a book. Right, that comes uh, from her. Maybe, or maybe there's an NYC Jewel Week photo book that we put together at mm. some point. That's a great idea. There's we a need thing. a coffee table. Book. We need a coffee table. Just book. like huge, huge, so big, it's t- too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It needs its own stand or or coffee table that comes with. We'll it. make. We're gonna mm-hmm. make coffee tables. Yes. Yes. That's what we're That's doing. Next. Next That's the next topic. Let's talk. Let's talk about tables. coffee tables. No, but so those, those are like all the wonderful things about the yeah. business, and there are many wonderful things. Well, the next thing we're going to talk about is what is awesome about this business because we just well, did all the complaints. Well, we did a very right? long list of complaints, which took us almost an hour, and now you mm-hmm. want to dedicate like the last what six minutes of this episode to talking okay, about the things we like. Scratch this and okay. say that was great. That was great. Thank you for ending the gripes with what is amazing. And hopefully, uh, the next episode is positive. Hopefully, but I think we're going to be talking about failure. Okay, I don't know. I'm the one with the the list. I know. I don't have the about. list in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> this is really professional. This is we did such great. a great job. High five Yay. to you. So we Thank did you. we did great, and we're very good at this. Thank you for listening to our first podcast, guys. I want everybody out there to know who does listen to this. Please don't let this first episode be an indicator of what's to come. <laughs> it's gonna get you know, better. I just thought we should make it real, uh-huh. right? We should get these things off our chest. Sure. Next episode, clean, clean slate. slate. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> and and right. we're going to be talking about failure. <laughs> Stop saying that. We're not. <laughs> I thought that's on the list. Don't listen to me. It know. is on the list, but I think it's topic seven. <laughs> so <laughs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Whatever. It we'll doesn't there. matter. doesn't matter. This was great. Uh, this is a lot of fun. I hope yeah. we get to. I hope if enough people listen, we get to keep. I hope this. we get better at this. <laughs> I really sincerely hope we get better at it. Okay, thanks for listening, guys. Thank you. Ciao. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, done. Great We're done. sign off. Starting over. Oh okay, God. let's start over. Oh, that that was, was exhausting. That was exhausting. Was any of that usable? He's going now. No. Yeah. Charlie says no. Do you think this episode of our very first podcast? Mm-hmm. What? This episode of our very first podcast. Do you think it's going to uh, require an incredible amount of editing and cutting? Yes. I, yes. I think so, too. Yes. <laughs> Sorry to throw you for a loop Your there. Face. Your face was like, this was fun 10 minutes ago, but it's, it's now it's overwhelming. mess. <laughs> yeah. Please listen. <laughs> listen yes please listen okay so uh, several done. people at the party actually gifted me jewelry okay well that's and, nice and they didn't gift anything to jamie <laughs> <laughs> i deserve it because i'm kind of a big deal true and it, to, to people who know 
<laughs> everyone I'm a, listening. Everyone listening. I'm a big deal in a very specific niche context. Right. Write that down. Write yeah. it down. That's cool. So that's that's why I'm here. Is breaking the fourth wall a good or bad thing in a podcast? Do we like to break the fourth wall or no? No idea. I, I have know. no idea what we're doing. <laughs> We've got a sound engineer over in another room. Mm-hmm. His name is Charlie. He looks very nice. Hi, Charlie. Hi, Charlie. Uh, do we break the fourth wall, yes or no? Is that a thing people do? Do do we like when people do that? Is he okay, shaking Ch- his he's head. sort of going, uh, I don't know. Okay. Yeah, maybe Up yes, light nod, a we more can confident do what nod. We want. That's is what this, this whole is. section going to be cut out? <laughs> I, I really hope so. Really... I think somebody's going to go and edit. Uh, they're going to take the intros, cut the rest out. <laughs> We're going to end up with a 10-minute Just you talking about photojournalism. Yeah, which That's has nothing to do be... with anything. I know. Yeah. Okay.